Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Finishing off our series called "Am I Enough?" and uh, and I kind of I, I've got to admit I struggled a little bit in the preparation of this because uh, I felt like everything that needed to be said had already been said in the previous two weeks. And um, Daz spoke in the first week, and then Linnea and Brucey spoke the week before Heart and Soul, which we had last week. But we're finishing it off tonight, and I believe that God um, would speak something to us. And I just wonder if I could get the whiteboard up, if that's all right. Daz talked the first week about getting desperate for God and this question of am I enough starting off us off in a place where first of all we need to get desperate for God to find the answer where actually that's our starting place any question of am I enough should propel us to ask God and find God and, and look to God for the answer to that question and then he talked about something to settle and he said we need to settle what we aren't and be okay with that be okay with the lane that God's placed us in and stop focusing on the left and the right and just swim in our lane and head down the track that we're supposed to. Watch that black line, the rice that we've been assigned, and just stick to that, something to settle. Then he talked about something to establish, and what God has established in our life, and what he's asked us and told us to do and said about us to establish that. Then Linnea um, spoke the next week, and was so beautiful and vulnerable, and I really thank you for that, Linnea. And uh, she talked about um, this question, am I enough? And how she continued to look to the circumstances around her to answer that question. That she looked to the circumstances to say, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Is it enough? And my favorite line of your message was that Australia, my church, my husband and my dog and my job, none of them lived up to my expectations. <laughs> that was awesome. Even little Callie just didn't make it on the list. And uh, so that was really great. And she talked about how she heard God kind of asking her, am I enough, Linnea? Am I actually enough? Because the conflicting voice is the voice of the enemy who from the dawn of time has said, no, God is not enough. God's holding out on you. You need to look to other things other than yourself to discover if you're enough. And then Bruce, he spoke and he said, in one word, the answer to the question, am I enough, is no. <laughs> and he said, that's the bad news. But he said, fortunately, the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that actually he is enough, that Jesus is enough. And uh, Brucey brought a brilliant presentation on the gospel, slipped missions in there because he's Brucey. It had nothing to do with the topic, but he talked about that anyway, and that was a blessing. And, uh, but he talked about the progression from having Jesus as our saviour to having him then as our Lord, and then making sure that we are his sons and his daughters, establishing sonship before we get anywhere near servanthood. Because if we don't, then we'll have this skewed picture that we need to work for his affection and work for his love and work to prove that we're enough. And my favorite line from Brucey's message was, the world can never take away from you what the world has never given to you. And that was so awesome and so true. So I, I, I was thinking about everything that had been said. And I'm like, well, it's all been said, Lord. What am I supposed to say? And I, I felt to address the contradiction even within our own series. Because Brucey said, no, we are not enough. And Daz said, yes. We are enough. In fact, he changed the title of the message inadvertently five times to I am enough. And so I was thinking about that. Well, what is the answer to the question? Is it no? Or is it yes? Is the answer no? Or is it yes? And I figured as I thought about it, yes. The answer to whether it's no or yes is yes. It's both. The answer is both. And I want to address this tonight 
You see, no has us focusing on a very specific part of our Christian life that we need to come to at some point, and that is our depravity. That is our acknowledgement that without Christ, we actually have nothing. And I'm sorry to tell you that here tonight, if you've wandered in and you're just exploring this, I've just got to tell you, you know, without Christ, we'll never be enough. And Brucey talked a bit about this. He said, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, it says in the Bible. So we have to come to this place of depravity. And the reason we have to come to this place is because we'll never see the need for a saviour unless we find that this is the truth. But you see... We're never meant to stay there. And so the answer, yes, I am enough, I'm more than enough, comes down to our authority. So on the one hand, we've got our depravity, and on the other hand, we've got our authority, and we have to live in light of both. If we get to our authority, and we think only of our authority, the time will come when we actually get a bit prideful, and we actually think that we're pretty awesome, that actually, God, you're pretty clever to get me on the right page, weren't you? You could really use me, God. And I'm cool. I'm too cool for school. And God's like, you're only cool in the terms of it being an acronym of a constipated, overweighted old lady. <laughs> That's what Kate says at the dinner table and anyone says cool. I'm sorry. Okay. So we can have authority, but it always has to be in light of our depravity. Our authority is only ever in light of the, our fact, the fact that we had nothing before Jesus and we're nothing without Jesus. And that's a harsh truth. And what you'll find is if you've been to a few different churches, churches will tend to lean more into one or the other. But God always intends that we have both, that we walk in our authority in the light of our depravity, that we know who we are in Christ and know that we're nothing in and of ourselves. Now, I was thinking about this concept of depravity and authority. Have we got any Lord of the Rings fans in the house tonight? Literally three. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give everyone else a rundown. Um, there's a ring and it's got to make its way to Mordor. And uh, it's based on a true story. And, um, and there's, you know, all these different people groups or, or groups of beings that have to find their way to come out with a good outcome. Um, if you're worried right now, because I'm going to mention some words that Christians don't like. Uh, Tolkien was a Christian who wrote it. And uh, he was, has these in incredible biblical themes all through the book of Lord of the Rings. And you see there were these, um, there were these like dwarves. And my axe! And there was these elves, if you want him, come and claim him. And there were these orcs, and they're like all dripping with saliva and decomposing bodies, and they're like, <laughs> and, um, and then there's the Uruquai, and they're even bigger than the orcs, they're like, <laughs> and, um, and then there's like, who else is there? There's, uh, there's humans, and there's wizards, and there's little tiny um, hobbits. And, and I kind of feel like I'm part hobbit, just my feet. And um, is there John Elmas and Harry? Um, but um, what else? There's hobbits, there's. Um, there's Lord Sauron, who's this big eye, an evil lord trying to get his body back together. And, um, and Lord Saruman, many eyes have many spies. Many spies have many eyes, even. And, and so there's all these people groups, and they're trying to get the ring to Mordor to destroy the ring. Okay, you know exactly where we're up to right now. We're on the same page. But you see, I was thinking about Lord of the Rings, and there's this little fat hobbit, and um, his name's Samwise Gamgee. And he's very aware that he's not up to the task. He's incredibly aware. And in fact, if anyone looks at him, they're incredibly aware that he's not up to the task as well. You know, Gollum refers to him as that stupid fat hobbitess. And, um, <laughs> and, and so that's Samwise Gamgee. He has nothing to bring to the table. Absolutely nothing. And then on the other hand, you've got Gandalf over here. 
And Gandalf is this wizard who stands in his authority and knows exactly who he is. In fact, looks down the pit at a dragon that's trying to kill them and puts his stuff down and says, you shall not pass. And he knows who he is. He knows exactly who he is in the authority in which he stands. And here's Samwise Gamgee over here, little fat hobbit who has nothing to bring to the table and who ends up actually inadvertently being the hero of the story. Because what he can bring, he brings with everything he has. He doesn't stay in this place of, well, I may as well just stay in the Shire and wait for the world to end. He says, well, at every step that I need to step into something new, I will. And I know that I can't do the job, but I'll do the best that I can. And eventually he walks right all the way into authority. He walks all the way and gets Frodo all the way to Mordor. It would have made heaps more sense if more of you were fans of Lord of the Rings. But regardless, if we, good, good, thank you. If we have a revelation of our depravity, that's a great thing to have. But if we focus on our depravity, we can't live here. We can't stay here. We won't get anything done. So we have to live over here. We have to know who we are. But the thing about God is, is that he never lets us get comfortable here either. If we get so comfortable that we think that we've got it all going on, then he'll remind us of here. Or what he'll do is he'll take us on to the next thing. We'll just get comfortable in our authority. We'll feel like we've got it going on. And then I'll say, I just need you to step up a bit because I've got more for you to do, more for you to step into. So I need you to be ever reliant and dependent on me. I need you to move from your depravity through to your authority. Keep in mind your depravity, but keep walking in your authority. You can't live here. And we have to move to there, but we have to stay mindful as well. So what I want to ask you, because I believe where the question, am I enough, comes in, is somewhere in between here. It's somewhere where we're not living in our authority. And, and we're not necessarily focused on our depravity, but it's somewhere in the middle. So I want you to locate yourself on the continuum here tonight. Whereabouts do you think you are? Are you walking in your authority, completely dependent on Christ for every step that you take? Or are you living over here just kind of, I've got nothing, I am nothing, I have nothing? Or are you somewhere in the middle? And I want us to look at the middle tonight. You see, John chapter 6 and verse 29. Someone asked Jesus, what are the works of God? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. To believe in the one he sent. Our authority is always attached to believing. We can only ever walk in our authority when we believe who he is and what he's called us to as well. The work of believing. We spend so much energy in here asking the question, am I enough? Do I have enough? Looking around us like Linnea talked about to see if the people around us are telling us that we are enough. But God said, or Jesus said, the work of God, the work that you need to do, the energy that you need to spend is believing in who I am and what I've called you to as well. Any energy that you expend outside of that is wasted energy. Your energy needs to be spent in the work of believing. So where are you on the continuum? I recently heard it said that we're all looking for three things. Our worth, our belonging, And our purpose. Oh, or purse. Purpose. 
our worth, our belonging, and our purpose. And I believe that these are questions that get asked along this continuum. You see, when we're here, we believe that there's nothing that we can do and there's nothing that we have. But as we move along to here, we ask these questions and we either arrive at here or we get stuck in here somewhere. So our worth is a question of value. Am I valuable? And if, if you know um, what kind of temperament you are, if you're a thinker, you'll probably struggle more here. Our belonging is a question of affection. Do people love me? Can I find belonging amongst these people? And, and that's probably more a question for a feeler. And a purpose? Do I have a purpose? Am I gaining ground? Am I winning this war? Am I getting the challenge done? That's more a question of, of recognition and probably more a question for the doer. And then there's obviously any combination along that spectrum. Worth, belonging, and purpose. Well, I believe that God answered this question for us. And I want to take us there tonight. And I can't find it. The <laughs> passage that I wrote down is wrong. So don't put that one up. Thank you, projectionist. Um, but uh, I'm going to quote it. And if you know it and yell it out, I'll give you $5 after the service. <laughs> you see, Jesus is going down to be baptized by his cousin. His cousin's name is John the Baptist. So when someone's coming to be baptized, that's a good day for John the Baptist. It's kind of what he does and that's, you know, his purpose, so it's good. But you see, John's whole purpose has been ushering in Jesus coming, Jesus coming on the earth. And he's been telling everyone, hey, look, you, you like what I'm doing, you're impressed, you think that this whole thing that I've going on with, you know, eating weird stuff and wearing weird stuff is cool, but I'm telling you that there's one coming whose sandals that I'm, I'm unworthy to untie. I can't, I can't even come close to him. And so John's saying, you know, that, that someone's coming that's so much more important than me. Later on, he says, I've got to decrease and he's got to increase. He gets all the glory. My whole purpose has only ever been to give him glory. Sounds a little bit familiar. And so John the Baptist is standing there in the water and down comes Jesus. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus, his cousin, gets down to the water. What would your cousin have to do to make you believe that he was the Son of God? Well, John believes it wholeheartedly. Oh, you get five bucks. Thanks, Daz. And, um, and John says, I need to be baptized by you. Why, why do you want to be baptized by me? And Jesus said, just let it be done how it is for now. It's fine. And it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Bible says that this is, this, the, the Spirit of God ascended like a dove. It wasn't a dove, like a brr, brr, kind of pigeon type of dove. It was like a, as a dove. It was like a, in the form of a dove, that it came down. And, uh, and that this is, this is one of the few instances in the Bible where the Trinity appears all together. There's a few times, there's like at creation, when the Spirit's hovering on the waters, when the Word goes forth and is commanded by the Father, there's that. Then it's mentioned in Isaiah where um, the, Isaiah talks about the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, and the Prince of Peace is He, or three in one right there. But then here's an instance in the New Testament where the three in one are appearing together. Jesus is in the water. The voice from heaven is the Father speaking and the Holy Spirit alighting like a dove. And God and the Trinity takes the opportunity in this moment to proclaim worth, belonging on, and purpose on Jesus before He has taken a single step into His ministry. It says, this is my Son, 
whom I love, answering the value question, this is my son, whom I love, answering the affection question, in whom I am well pleased, answering the recognition question. In one moment, he says, oh, Jesus, I love you. Before you've done a thing for me, I love you. And tonight, he would say the same thing to us, before you've done a thing for me, I love you. He appears again in, in triune form later on when Jesus goes up the Mount of Transfiguration and he's there and, and Jesus is there with a couple of his disciples and, 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 and he, they're surrounded by a cloud. The Holy Spirit comes and surrounds them and God speaks and says the same thing again. This is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And he says, listen to him. He answers the question that we ask on the way to am I enough? Just unequivocally just says, yes, my child, you are. Without me, no. (laughs) With me, absolutely, yes, he answers the question. And you you can't resolve, you can't live here for any length of time without knowing who you are. Heard at the same time a story about a bus tour. And um, it was going through a country and, you know, touring on a bus, and, um, <laughs> and the bus driver was keeping track of everyone who was on the bus, you know, doing the head count, and they stopped at a toilet stop, and everyone got back on the bus, and he said, uh, he, he, he just thought that something was odd, he, he'd counted the right number of people, but someone seemed to be missing, and he's looking in the rear vision mirror going, no, that's not right, uh, no, that's, that's definitely not right, we're missing someone, I know who it is, he pulls the bus over, and they drive back to the toilet stop, he says to everyone, I'm so sorry everybody, but we've left someone here, and I want you all to jump off the bus, and I want you to look for her, she's a, a small Asian woman, she's gorgeous, and she's got a, a blue dress on, can you all get out and look for this small Asian woman who's really attractive and got a blue dress on, and they're all like, yep, yep, sure, got out, looked for her, looked everywhere, couldn't find her anywhere, so they're all getting back on the bus and he's counting everyone as they come back on. He has the right number. So like, can you all just sit in your seats, please? I just need you to sit in your seats. And he walks down the aisle and he's like looking at everyone, like thinking, yep, okay, okay. And he gets to a small, gorgeous Asian woman who's now in jeans and a T-shirt and a baseball cap. She'd gotten changed at the toilet stop. So she was in there with everyone else looking for herself. And I think sometimes that's what we're doing. We're looking for ourselves in all sorts of places, not seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. What do we do? I want to read you a scripture from Jeremiah chapter 1. I think it's going to come up on the screen. If we could start, do you have verse 4, Will? It's all right, I can look it up if you don't. That's all good. Jeremiah chapter 1. God is calling Jeremiah, and this is what he says. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And listen to Jeremiah. Sovereign Lord, I said, I I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. He didn't see himself the way that God saw him. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. 
See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. He's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, do not say I'm only a child because I'm not asking you to walk in your authority. I'm asking you to walk in my authority. This is who I see you as. This is who I purpose you to be. Now go ahead and walk in your authority. And I believe that that's what he'd say to us tonight as well. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17 over the page. He says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. They will fight against you but will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah was right. He was just a child. He's saying, I'm not enough, God. I am a child. And, and, and God said, yeah, that's how you see yourself. But you see, I've set authority on your life and I've got a plan and a purpose for you. We read later in Jeremiah and he's talking to the whole nation of Israel. I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And that is who he is. Samwise Gamgee. Little Samwise. Maybe should have left him back in the first part of the message. He's coming out again. <laughs> and Samwise, stupid fat hobbitses, um, is there. And, and Frodo has to take the ring and he's realized that the ring is corrupting him and he's corrupting the men around him. And so Frodo heads out into the lake and uh, Sam starts after him. And Frodo says, Sam, Sam, don't come. I've got to go to Mordor alone. And Sam says, I know, Mr. Frodo, and I'm coming with you, and comes out. He's like, Frodo, you can't get away from me. Then, later on, they're in this, like, fortified city, and the Nazgul, ah, ah, they're really big birds, are coming down to kill them, and, 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 and Frodo is so corrupted by the ring that he can't really focus on what's going on. He's got the ring, and he's about to put it in his finger, and Sam says, no, Mr. Frodo, and goes and knocks him out of the way. And Frodo falls on the ground and they have a little bit of a tussle. Frodo ends up drawing his sword on Sam because he's so corrupted by the ring. And Sam says, no, Mr. Frodo, it's Sam. It's your Sam. If you want to go ahead and watch this after the service, it's only about 10 hours of watching, so you'll really enjoy it. It's, it's your Sam. Sam's reminding Frodo of who he is. And Sam couldn't do that without a revelation of who he was himself. And that's where it starts. It starts here with the revelation, okay, I've got nothing, but God, anything I do have, I give to you. We sing that song, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, make new wine out of me. I came here with nothing. And, and, and gradually he's moving along this scale. He's getting out of his comfort zone at every step along the way. They get to Mordor and they're on the, they're on the um, hill, mountain. Mount Doom, in fact, where the ring has to be thrown into the fire. And Frodo says, what is perhaps the most tragic line in the whole movie? Samwise is trying to encourage him. And Frodo says, no, Sam, I can't even remember what food tastes like. <sighs> and he says another bunch of unimportant things. But he's so bereft that he can't even remember what food tastes like. What a tragic place to be. And he's just ready to lie down and die. And Sam says, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry the ring for you. 
and he's turned into some kind of pirate now. But, but I can carry you. And he puts Frodo on his back and he carries him all the way to Mount Doom. You see, Samwise in that story is called Samwise the Brave. This little fat, stupid hobbit becomes a hero of the whole story because he just put one step in front of the other. He said, I've got nothing, but I'll just step into everything that's ahead of me and I'll just believe maybe that I can do it. And that's all that God asks of us today as well, the work of believing. What's the next step that you need to take, the work of believing, to believe that, yep, okay, in and of myself, I'm not enough, but with you, God, I've got everything I need. I'll just finish with one personal story. You're like, no, bring back Lord of the Rings. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> um, so, because everyone else was so vulnerable, I'll go there as well. Incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I too looked to circumstance around me to determine my worth and my value. And uh, would walk into a room and, and where people's reaction to me would show me how much value I had. And if they were kind to me, uh, then I thought, oh, okay, I, 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 they, they think well of me. I must be worth thinking well of. If they talked to Daz instead of me, I would think, ah, that's right. They, they only talk to me ever because of who my husband is. If, um, if someone looked at me and I thought, oh, I must, I must look all right. <laughs> and, uh, and then if they didn't, I'd think, yep, that proves what I thought about myself as well. And so constantly look to things around me. And uh, in the course of a conversation with a friend, and with a friend that I'm so grateful that God's put in my life, and I'm so grateful that he's allowed me to hear from this friend because sometimes we build up barriers in our minds about the people in our lives and what they can speak into, and yet everyone in our life is able to speak into our life no matter who they are. God will use anyone. He used a donkey. He'll use anyone. He'll use that phone call right now after church. Um, <laughs> And so, so this person, we were having a conversation. In the course of conversation, I said, oh, well, you know, Daz is the only one who's ever pursued me. He's the only boyfriend I've ever had. And, um, and he looked at me, this guy, and said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, like, no one has ever, like, thought, never asked me out or anything before Daz. Daz is my only boyfriend, which, by the way, I'm very grateful for. <laughs> but, but, but that had told me something about myself. I'd taken that as information about myself. And this, this person, my friend, he eyeballed me. And uh, he, he, he had some very American terms because he's American. But, but he eyeballed me and he said in the moment, he said, Bron, you are so attractive. And I was like, eh, this is uncomfortable. Um, but he said, you are emotionally attractive. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Everything but. <laughs> you're emotionally attractive. You're spiritually attractive. You're intelligently attractive. And, and you are physically attractive as well. And now that's weird, and I know this is a weird example, I'm sorry everybody, but, but in the moment it was like the voice of God speaking to me, and it was a voice, he was saying, Bron, you're enough, you don't need to look to the room for your validation, can you imagine how exhausting it is walking to a room to look for the validation of the room as to give you an identity message? You're walking into every room in kind of this state where, where it's giving you information that is exhausting, but this man speaking to me told me I believe God was talking to me and saying, you actually are who you are, walk into the room like that. And church, you are who you are, walk into the room like that. You are enough. Jesus thought you were enough so much that he died on the cross for you. 
<laughs> and my dear friend Margaret Stunt, whenever I bring up any insecurity, she says, Jesus died for that. And you're taking it back. That's a bit rude, isn't it? <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> okay, church, let's come to our feet. And can we just for a moment own our depravity? This is an uncomfortable place. To realize that without him we are nothing. To realize that we have no good works to show for ourselves. That no, in fact, we are not good enough. We are completely dependent on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Can we just hang here for a bit? Okay, Lord. And now I want you to imagine yourself walking across this continuum. The worth question has been answered. You are my son or you are my daughter. The belonging question has been answered. Who I love. The purpose question has been answered. In whom I am well pleased. And can you take that step across the threshold into your authority, into everything that Jesus has called you to be? Yes, that will require you to be completely dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every step of the way. Are you up for it, church? But Lord, we just, firstly, Lord, just repent of every time that we've not believed you and what you've said about us. We repent where we thought that our opinion of ourselves is more important than your opinion of us. And Lord, now we lift our heads high and we straighten our shoulders and we walk into everything that you have called us to with the authority and the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you agree, say amen tonight. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.